Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. To Real Life Church, it is so good to see your smiling faces this morning. Well, hey, whether you're with us here in person at Kentucky Trail or you're joining us online today, go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to worship him big together today.
after you. He is pursuing you. I believe that today. And there's nothing you can do that you have done that's going to separate you from God. And he wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to be in his presence today.
longer slaves. Man, we are his children. Man, today is just going to be a good day. I know God is doing something today. I'm so excited to see what he has in store for us today. Well, happy Labor Day weekend. So good to see you all. That's right. You all are pumped this morning. You're fired up. Well, hey, let's give a big real-life welcome to those joining us online. Let them hear you. Love you guys too. Well, hey, before you guys take a seat, say hey, give a handshake, give a hug, make somebody feel welcome around you. today. You really are our honored guest. And if you would pick up that connection card, it's either in your seat, maybe you put it below your feet, but go ahead and grab that connection card. Fill out as much as you're comfortable with, and then check that box that says first time here. And doing that just allows our team to care for you this week, to follow up, to help you feel welcome and at home here. We want to send you a letter, maybe shoot you a text, but man, it would just mean the world to us if you would do that. And hey, if you do call Real Life Church home, grab that same card, go ahead and fill out your name, check that box, regularly attend, and then man, drop a praise, drop a prayer request. Man, we have a team that meets every week to pray over those cards, to write letters to those. We love um, praising God right along with you guys. We love uh, praying for you and lifting you up during the week too. Hey, keep those cards handy. We're going to turn them in uh, to those giving buckets later in the gathering. Um, we're just so pumped that you chose to spend your day with us today. Well, hey, Real Life Church, we are a church on a mission. And that mission is to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. And that's because souls matter to God. I mean, he didn't come for us um, just to be perfect and have it all together. Man, he came for the messy and the crazy, you know, and all the wild things that happen in our life. Man, he really came to see the prodigal, those far from him, come home. And that is why we exist. And so we are just so, um, just so excited you chose to be here, to be on mission with us. Well, hey, we are continuing a series this week. Man, this one, uh, this is a tough one. I mean, there's tons of questions that we have. Sometimes they're hard and they're difficult or they're super personal and they are hard to ask. And man, this series really gives us heartfelt, Christ-centered answers to those questions. So we are excited to continue this series, Asking for a Friend. So give Pastor Sean a big shout out, a big welcome. That's right. He's going to give us a word today. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I got my deep voice on there. Good morning. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be a good one, man. You guys enjoy your first week of life groups? A little bit? It kind of got me pinned in over here. Get to walk over there, so it's going to be good. Oh, man, uh, I know I enjoyed my first week, uh, Kingdom Finance. And, you know, it's really something special when you get together with other Christ followers and, man, the Holy Spirit and just having conversations. And uh, this last week, man, it's just awesome to hang out with some friends of mine from the past and uh, God just doing stuff in the room. And so I would encourage you, um, the early church didn't revolve around Sunday mornings, uh, actually evolved around groups. Actually met in houses. 
uh, man, united in prayer uh, in, in the spirit of God and the apostles' teaching. And, man, they broke bread. Come on, somebody. You got to love the life groups that serve a meal, right? And they broke bread together in the name of Jesus and just got focused on their hearts and got strengthened. And so I also encourage you, man, if, if, if you're seeking God and you're asking God to do something this season, I can I encourage you, it's probably not going to happen apart from a life group. It's, it's probably going to happen just by osmosis or by desire. It's going to happen from somebody else in your life, amen? And so I always see those seasons where I grow. It's when I'm meeting with somebody else and they're challenging my thoughts and they're encouraging me and they're praying for me. And it's just something special about that. So I'd encourage you to get plugged into the group, Amen. And you're like, man, I don't know which one to jump into. Uh, I'm biased, but um, they're all good. Come on, somebody, right? Uh, I will say you can, uh, you can go to a group. Uh, you, you're dating, you're not married, amen. So if you're like, dude, these people are not for me. Come on, somebody. Somebody's looking at their spouse right now going, uh-huh, been there before, right? You can just be like, hey, love y'all, and then go to a different group, amen. Uh, just so I'll encourage you, man, the second week, ground floor, getting in, um, be a part of it. It's just, um, you're really just missing out on things of Christ if you're, if you're not in connection. Uh, man, we're jumping in. We're the third part of this uh, series, asking for a friend, and uh, this thing is, man, it, it's a deeper level, right? I mean, these are questions that we think, but we don't want to ask. Uh, we would probably not even ask some of these questions we're going to talk about in this series. Uh, and if we do ask somebody, it's going to be that really close friend that you think is going to shoot you straight. And uh, some of these questions we don't want people to know we even have a question about. And so this is really the deeper things to Christ. And last week we we dove into this question on forgiveness. And uh, what does it look like to forgive somebody? How, how can I forgive somebody who did something to, that to me? And to really kind of a deeper level, like a transcendent truth, and not that we, God has given some plan B, but now we have a new plan A, and uh, we can forgive. And so if you missed last week, I'm a little biased. I thought it was really good. Um, but go back and listen to it. I know it just spoke to so many people's souls. And uh, you guys had the opportunity to forgive this week? Anybody had the opportunity to forgive this week? I think there's an opportunity every day to forgive somebody, right? Uh, actually, before I left on Sunday morning, there was a man I was talking to, and he's like, felt like he got taken advantage of that last weekend a little bit. And I just told him, I said, man, sounds like it's God giving the first opportunity to forgive. Isn't that amazing? And he looked at me and said, yeah, I've got me, man. And so that's just uh, that's a little bit of the series. But today we're diving into a, a really controversial uh, hard, uh, maybe a more difficult topic, uh, something that everybody's going to have an opinion on, uh, and it may not, may not all be right. And uh, so today I'm hoping that uh, we have open ears and uh, we can receive things to Christ. I'll start by saying this. Uh, my name is Sean, and I'm your friend. <laughs> Come on, right? Uh, I'm, I'm your friend. I'm, I'm not saying anything today um, out of judgment. Uh, I'm not coming up here to be near the head with the Bible. Uh, I'm saying this out of love. Uh, I'm saying this out of the brokenness for Christ, that what God may have for your life, for those around you, um, out of the things that uh, are, are deeper for your soul that we've maybe missed. And I'm just praying for really open ears, open hearts, uh, and really maybe a, a new way of thinking that maybe we've left behind in a season. And so today I'm going to say some things that go against the culture. I'm going to say some things that go radically against the culture. I'm going to say some things that, that may go against what you believe. Uh, I'm going to say some things that maybe go against the way we live, uh, may go against our lifestyle. And like I said, I'm not here to beat you up or to tear you down. Uh, I, I loved you the way you walked in, and I'll love you the way you walk out. Amen? Uh, I feel like a church, like uh, we, we can be full of messed up people that are struggling in obedience towards Christ, and uh, I love that, right? We're on a pursuit. We're broken. We're fallen. Um, but the reality is we're called to pursue Jesus. And I think sometimes you get this kind of religious side where you see churches where it's, uh, man, I, I, I'm a religious person, I'm pious, and I can't stand these messed up people. And that's not our church, amen? We're a church full of messed up people. So we're just gonna point to Jesus today, just step back and let the Holy Spirit work in your life. And everything I'm saying is that I love. It's from the Bible, it's for you. Uh, I wanna encourage you guys, uh, pick up your Bible. Anybody got their Bible, pick their Bible up. Hold your Bible up. Who's got their Bible? Diane, she's showing off in the front row. 
right? You got your Bible, hold your Bible. If you don't have your Bible, maybe use your phone. You don't to use your phone for your Bible. You can do that. All right, I'm, I'm gonna say something about this word of God right here. Um, we need to be in this word, amen? Uh, I think our kids should catch us reading this Bible. Actually, probably the best lesson your kids ever gonna learn from you is seeing you read this Bible. Not, not they read it for them because we can find a message for our kids, amen, <laughs> right? Uh, but you're reading it for yourself. I think one of the coolest things you never do is when you hand this Bible off to, to someone, uh, maybe it's your own child or maybe it's somebody else, and they pick the Bible up and it's all worn. You guys seen that? And it's all it's highlighted and there's verses and there's like the, the notes on verses and the Holy Spirit was moving and doing. And they look at that and say, man, God was alive to my dad or my grandpa, amen? And so I'll encourage you, uh, bring this to church, amen? Can we be those kind of people? Remember those days you go to church and it, it sounded like this? Remember those days? You remember that smell of the, of the Bible open? Remember that? We should do that. So I don't know what we got to do with the lighting to do that, but we got to do that, amen? Like we we got to do that. We got to be able to pick people out the book. I, I love using the phone, you know, like, don't get me wrong, but like, man, there's something about having this word and people go, man, it's, it's you. And so today, no matter where the culture goes, uh, no matter which direction the culture goes, this is truth, amen? Uh, it is the same yesterday. It's the same today. It's the same tomorrow. It's the same forever, amen? And so I'm going to say it comes from the Bible. And so um, I'm going to step on some toes, uh, but I'm just trying to get your heart, amen? Uh, this Bible isn't some relegated book. Uh, it's not some uh, book of fables or some fairy tales. It's not to the level of some the Iliad or Greek mythology or Roman uh, mythology. Uh, this isn't a, a good book or just a good book. Uh, it's not a, of good principles and some good teaching. Uh, this is absolute truth, amen? amen. This doesn't change. And uh, I know sometimes I think this culture is so different than others, but this isn't saying anything that hasn't been done already. It hasn't addressed and so today we're going to stand on the Bible, amen? amen? And so we're going to make sure that we stay inside the book. And so we're talking about the Bible, we're going to look at 2 Timothy uh, 3.16. talks about the Word of God, talks about Scripture. And so if you've got your Bible open up, uh, you'll see here 2 Timothy 3.16. And this very first word, what's the first word? What does it say? All. All, all Scripture. Uh, when it says all Scripture, um, it's talking about the verses that we may not like, uh, we might not agree with. Uh, we may struggle to follow uh, every piece of scripture, not just the, the love, uh, the grace, the mercy, the blessing, the freedom, the purpose, uh, not just the easy things, not just the things received from God, amen, uh, but the hard things, uh, the submission, the obedience, the repentance, um, the, the hard things of God. Every piece, all scripture is what? Is, come on, help me out now. God breathe. Yeah, the, all scripture is from the mouth of God. And how we got the scriptures called inspiration, and the Holy Spirit moved on people like wind blew a sail, and they, they pinned the, the God's word through the Holy Spirit. And so these are the words of God. So every piece of scripture comes from God himself, and it's actually purpose. It says that it's useful or purpose for four things. And one of the first things says it's useful for teaching. And so today we're, we're going we're to talk about a question deeper about marriage, sexuality, sex. And we're, we're going to go back to the Bible, and we, we might learn some things, Amen. Like, this is God's way of doing it. Um, but it's also useful for rebuking. You know, be a group in the house, and we've all been there. I think we've all fallen short in one or two, maybe all these areas. And it will say rebuking, like, I've been on the wrong path. I mean, took the wrong fork of the road a little bit. I've been thinking about this journey. And all of a sudden, it's like, no, 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 you've got to be over here. This is, this is the straight path. This is the narrow road. Amen? Uh, for some of us, this can be some correction. Hoping you receive it, amen. But you, you, you may be over here, and you're like, that, that, that's not God's standard. This is God's standard. You're like, i got to get over here where God wants me to go. 
And the last thing is training or instruction in righteousness. Like if you want to be right in front of God, you just open the word of God. And that's what it's going to do. It's going to shape your soul to be in the right standing with Jesus. And it says this, the purpose, so that the servant of who? The servant of, servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Not, not the servant of ourselves uh, or the servant of the world, but the servant of, of God. And so if, if you come in today and your heart is for Jesus, I guarantee you God's going to shape your life. Amen. Because a servant of God, every time you open this book, we just get in the word, it's going to shape your soul. It's going to correct and challenge and instruct. It's going to be all the things we need for life and godliness. And so today's question, marriage, sexuality, sex, uh, d- does it really even matter? This is like a huge overarching question. But does it really matter? And it, it's not really phrased that way typically. It's more like this. Uh, man, that just sounds really old school. <laughs> like doing it God's way, that, like that, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's for the birds, man. That's, that's you know, no way, dude. Uh, man, I mean, I just do me. Come on. Uh, just love, love, man. Uh, just, just do you. Just follow your feelings. Just, just do what's happy. And this is what we would say uh, to maybe our friends or people may say to us. It's definitely what the culture is telling us. And I believe it's a really valid question. And the reason I ask this, and it is a valid question, is because the world is saying it all the time. The world is actually telling us their answer all the time. Uh, if you think about it, you can't turn on a Netflix show, a Disney show, you can't watch anything Hollywood, any celebrity. There's very few people who model the things of Christ when it comes to marriage, sexuality, and sex, or any, any of the questions that we're talking about. And so the reality is this, if we talk about, well, what's the Bible say? Why should you have an answer? I think that the culture demands an answer from the Bible. I think the culture is demanding an answer. Uh, they have no problem telling us exactly what we should do and how we should live. And the thing is, we all have to challenge or redefine our ideas of marriage, sexuality, and sex every single day. And sadly, not just our teenagers, but our children every single day are having to find the answer to this question. And so I think it's a really valid question. I think we should ask God this question. What does it look like? Does it really matter? And we should dive into the things of Christ. And so what I want to do is I want to just take a big step back. And uh, I'm going to talk about the most powerful verse in the Bible. Well, I believe is the most powerful verse in the Bible. It's found in Proverbs, verse 9, chapter 10, or chapter 10, verse 9. Yeah, I said it all wrong. Chapter 9, verse 10. We're going to get there. It says this. The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It's the fear of the Lord is just the beginning of wisdom. You think about that. When you get God in the right place, you put God on the throne. He is a king. And you put him on the throne. All of a sudden, you're just now touching the surface, just the beginning of the tip of the iceberg of wisdom. And, and why is it that when you put God on the throne... Why is it that there's wisdom involved? And it says this in Isaiah 55. It says, this is God talking. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. The way I think isn't like you. Neither are my ways like your ways. I don't do it like you. As in the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We're not in the same league, amen. The things of Christ and the things of God are so far out there. We have no way of saying, oh, I know how God thinks. I know what he's up to. I know his plans and his purpose. I know he's merciful and just. You have no idea. And so you just got to humble yourself and say, okay, God, I, I fear you. Like you're in charge. And so in other words, you say it this way. If you think about the verse backwards, if, if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you have no wisdom. So, so we talk about sexuality. We talk about marriage. We talk about sex. We talk about gender. We talk about all these things. Without the fear of the Lord, the Bible says we're basically fools. Like we, we're foolish to come up with our own ways. Like, like who are we to define our own lifestyle apart from God? I mean, how, how foolish would it be to have the maker and the author and designer and a purposer in front of us and say, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it my way. 
Like, who am I to sit on the throne of my life and declare this is who I am without the fear of the Lord? Like, that's what the Bible said, the fear. If you, if you don't fear the Lord, this conversation is kind of wasted, right? Like, we can just pray and go home. Because there's really, you're not going to receive anything because we don't put God back on the throne. So the day is really about the very first question, do we fear the Lord? Uh, if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom, uh, it kind of begs the question, then what is wisdom? Like, what, what is wisdom? I mean, if you fear the Lord and it's just the tip of the iceberg, then what, what would really wisdom look like? And for me, this is what the word I came up with was, submission. Submission. The Bible says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. That's right. If you love me, you, you follow what God said. There, there, so wisdom is, okay, Jesus, you said it, it must be true. Wisdom is submission to this. Now, think about sexuality and, and people's ideas of marriage and sex. And I have to, it kind of begs the question, did, did you pray about your lifestyle? Did you seek God about your lifestyle? Did you wholeheartedly say, God, show me who you are? Like, I want to submit to your ways. Is, is that the heartbeat of your choice? Is, is, that, is that the essence of why you're living on the purpose you're living in for your life? Are you obedient to Christ? And so you think about it is when you, when, you, when you surrender your life to Jesus, you surrender to a savior, but you also surrender to a king. Matter of fact, Jesus talks more about the kingdom than he does as a savior. Repent for the kingdom of the Lord is at hand. It's the opening verse of Jesus' ministry that he said himself about himself. You didn't just surrender to a life of freedom and all the things that you get in Christ and your purpose and you surrender, but you surrender to a king inside of a kingdom. And so that king doesn't agree with a lot of stuff in the culture. I'm not gonna bag on, there's some decent things in the culture, come on somebody. Netflix, I like Netflix, right? I love everything the culture does. There's a lot of good things in the culture, but there's things that God would disagree with. And one of those things would be simply this, you do you, you do you. God wouldn't agree with you, do you. Or love, love. Just, just do whatever makes you feel good, whatever makes you happy. It's all for love, so it must be good. Hey, we're all going the same place. It's all good, you do your thing, truth is your truth. Like we're all gonna go to heaven. Like, that's not found in the scripture. Or just do what feels good. Follow your desires. Just be happy. Now, my name is Sean, and I'm your friend. Come on, somebody, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to get a little hotter in here. I don't know, somebody, I felt hot earlier. And I was like, turn the air conditioning on, right? But, but here's the reality. This is true. This is real. This. It's not you do you. It's, it's you fear God. Just think about, like, who am I to say, oh, I'm on the throne of my life. Like, no, 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 God, I fear you. I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it your way. Or, or, or love, love, just, just love, love. No, 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 it, it's you obey Christ. Like, you obey God because his great love for us. And so it's no longer you just you love, love. It's like you love the love of God, amen? The one who poured himself out on you fully. Or you say, oh, it's my life. I just, I just want to be happy. I'm just going to do me. And I want to tell you, man, you're bought with a price. It's no longer your life, amen? Like the precious blood of Jesus was poured out for you. Like, who am I to say, well, I'm going to do this my way? I mean, you can't say, well, I'm not hurting anyone, because you get to that point, right? Well, I'm not, I'm not hurting anyone. It doesn't affect anybody. And I, I would challenge you that when you come up with your own ideas apart from Christ with sexuality and marriage and sex and gender, all these things, that you are hurting somebody. somebody. It's yourself. Ultimately, it's you. I mean, the Bible says that if you, if you have sexual sin in your life, that you just didn't sin against somebody else. You sinned against your yourself. Like of all people we should have the most respect for, should be ourselves. The Bible says actually that, uh, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
Matter of fact, it doesn't affect you. Actually, it affects more than that. It actually affects it unintended consequences. Maybe your people in your life, like your kids and your friends, they see that you maybe love Jesus. Maybe you follow Christ and you go to church and you say, I'm gonna do me with my lifestyle. But what you're ultimately saying is, I don't love Jesus enough to change. Matter of fact, I don't love Jesus. I actually love the idea of Jesus. That's what you're telling your kids with your lifestyle choice. This is the reality. So you can't say, well, I'm not affecting anybody. Yes, you are. You're putting a false gospel out. You're actually saying, I'm, I'm a, on the throne of my life and my ways are better than God's ways. Uh, you say, well, it, uh, it, it feels good, man. It, it makes me happy. And the Bible would say that we're called to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ, which by the way, often doesn't feel good. Come on, somebody, right? Like I wanna eat that extra gallon of ice cream. Come on, somebody, right? Like I, I want it my way, which is usually now, supersized, right? And, and it, it's not the way of Christ. And so we're called to take every thought captive. So I wanna just take the time today to kind of dive into the power of thoughts. Because uh, I believe today, if you're gonna break through and, and see the things of Christ, it's gonna start with putting God on the throne in fear. Uh, just saying, God, I, I recognize we're not in the same world at all. But also to say, you're gonna take captive your thoughts. And so uh, Paul writes to a church that is just inundated with sexual sin. Uh, he writes to a church that is, it, it, is, it is in the trenches of sexual sin. Uh, you talk about the church of Corinth. Uh, as the ships would land at the, at the port, there's actually concrete footsteps that led to the houses of harlots, led to the houses of prostitution. And so when Paul writes this, he's not saying anything new um, that's not even really happening in our culture. And he defines this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says we what? We, yeah, you're with me, I like that. We demolish, uh, we destroy. Uh, that word demolish means to tear down, to break. It says we demolish arguments and every pretension. Every pretension, every claim from the culture, every assertion that's put in our face, uh, we demolish all these pretensions that set itself up against the knowledge of God. Dude, we got a lot of work to do. We, we destroy the things that stand in opposition to what we know about Christ through the word of God. It says we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Taking captive every thought. Do you know what the Bible says? That we're called to go to war against our thoughts. You see that? We are supposed to take captive. It's this idea of you whipping out the sword and fighting your thoughts and putting that sword to the throat of your thought and saying, you are now my prisoner. That that's the depth of which we have to go to, to war against the things we tell ourselves. So it kind of works two ways. Either, either one is you're taking your thoughts captive or two, your thoughts have taken you captive. And I, I don't know if we really understand like how entrenched we are with our thoughts and that maybe there's some thoughts that are counter to the things of Christ, that are in opposition to the things of Christ, that are warring against the things of Christ. And, and, and maybe instead of fighting it, uh, maybe we have the sin of surrender. Maybe we just got tired of that idea and said, oh man, it's not that big a deal. Maybe we compromised with an idea or maybe we let the idea take captive us. And so the reality is this, is how long do we have to sit there and think about a thought before it took us captive? How many times has the culture told us to live a certain way? That ain't changing. That ain't changing. We see it all the time. And I'm not gonna say anything today that Paul didn't say to Corinth because he read that or Paul didn't write the church of Rome. I started reading the book of Romans with my, 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 my boy, six years old. Right? I mean, it's amazing. The first chapter, man, God's, I mean, Paul's like, man, you guys, thank you for being on fire for Christ. Thank you for living for Christ. And chapter two is like, this is how you continue to stand firm for Christ. And he lays out what looks to live with, with purity 
for the things of Christ. So I'm not saying anything that, that Paul didn't tell the church or Jude didn't tell Christians. I mean, Jude actually says, the book of Jude, I don't know if you've read it or not, um, short book, it's awesome. Uh, he said, I actually have a message for you, but I'm so ticked off of what's happening that I'm gonna write a different message. You remember the book of Jude? And he, he turns his whole message to say, stand firm in the faith because there's deceivers and people are gonna tell you a bunch of lies and the culture is gonna pull against you. Instead of saying what I wanted to say, I'm just gonna just put this in there. And for 22 verses or such, he lays it out. I'm not saying anything that Moses didn't pin. That when he talks about the story of, of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm not, I'm not saying anything new that, there's nothing new in our culture. We're not in some like uncharted water or some improved, like, you know, highly developed culture in America that the Bible hasn't already seen and already addressed, amen? That we're called to destroy or take captive every single thought that our culture is giving us. And so we don't get the excuse like, man, we're above all that, amen? We, we, we don't get to do that. Matter of fact, there's a verse in Proverbs 14 that says this, and this is like a warning. And, and this one's verses I remember reading as I was growing my faith and I was just like, man, I hope there's something in my life that's not gonna cause me to do this. And it's one of those warnings that, that God gives us. He said, there's a way that appears right. I think KJV says, there's a way that appears right to a man. There's a way that the culture presents. Uh, there's a way that makes good sense even to myself at times. There's a way that seems like it's the right way to go. And it says, but the end leads to death. Like we can literally talk ourselves to death with our thoughts. We, we can literally believe wholeheartedly doing the right thing and actually be on the wrong path. And so today it's like, we have to think about what we think about. Like we, we, we gotta back up a little bit. Like we gotta, we gotta, where do those thoughts come from? Like, am I captive to my thoughts? Like, is this the power of Christ in my life? Is this, am I doing me because I've been bamboozled? Like, am I doing it my way because it's my thoughts? Is this the power of Christ? Is this the obedience to Christ? Is this the things that Christ wants in my life? I mean, it's not a surprise where we typically end up at. Like, you think about financially, um, you know, most of the financial mistakes that we make in our life, it wasn't a surprise. Like, oh, man, I didn't know I spent, you know, $400,000 in a house I couldn't afford. Right? Right? Like, we thought about it. We entertained that idea. We, we hook, line, and sinker. We put it together. And then we're like, Man, was I thinking, right? Like it wasn't the sin of surprise, it was the sin of surrender. Like we finally gave in to that thought, that idea, that thing. And, and I just wanna just ask some questions because this is really where these thoughts come from, right? But this may be, may be a little more harsh than maybe it should come across. I'm your friend, come on, friend. Um, but like how much pornography, how many hours or seasons or years did, did, did we watch to come up with some of the conclusions we came up with in this culture? I mean, average age of somebody watching pornography is 11. 11. So you're, so you're talking about, like, oh, the church can't talk about this. Like, dude, the church should be talking about this. Because the culture is coming after everything. I mean, Satan obviously has a way, right? But these ideas that we see are the things that we've seen like, how, many, how, many, how much of that has affected our thoughts? Like, like, how much of our thought life is on the agenda of the world? Like, what, what thoughts are we entertaining that look nothing like Christ? What ideas and agendas and the assertions that we entertain that, that we've decided, like, that, that may be a plausible idea? Like, when did we stop fighting for the things of Christ in our mind? And so, do we have to think about what we think about? So, here's some, some stuff that, that I see as, as a pastor. I've seen I had a struggle in my own life, some, th- some questions that we have to, to face or some ideas that, we have to fight. Um, this idea, it's okay to have sex outside of marriage. Like, 
where did the idea come from? Like, who put that thought in our head? Like, why do we defend it so much? Like, why it's like, try before you buy, come on, right? Like, why, why is it so easy for us to go, well, just do you, man. Like, I don't offend you. Like, where'd that come from? Like, who told us that? Let's just call it out. It didn't come from God, amen? That that idea didn't come from Christ. And I'm not coming down, we, we all struggled, right? But the reality is to say like, oh man, I'm good with that. No, man, this, that, we're not good with that, right? Or, or marriage is old school, it's just this trite piece of paper, like, man, who really needs it? Like, where'd that come from? Like, we're, we're, we know the world, right? The culture. Like, who put that thought in your mind? Did, did Christ give you that idea? Did you search the scripture? Or, hey, let's live together, and, uh, man, we'll get this figured out, like, you know, down the road, like, we'll get married, but, like, we'll, we'll just move in together. Like, where'd that thought come from? Like, the thought of convenience? Like, it was so much easier to, like, to rent an apartment together or move in with my boyfriend or girlfriend, and I was just more comfortable and easy than it was to do it God's way? Like, where'd those ideas come from? Like, the idea of, was Christ in that? Or like, hey, it's no big deal, man, be in a same-sex relationship or, or be married to the same sex. Like, wh where'd that idea come from? Like, who told you that was a good idea? Like, how long did we think about that idea before we followed through with that idea? Like, how long was the idea planted in our head? We said, you know what, no, 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 I was fine with things of Christ. And then, man, I surrendered to it. Like, or this, I mean, I go to church, but I mean, I have no interest in getting married. But man, let's do everything but that. Like, where'd the idea come from? I mean, I ask so many people, I'm like, oh, you're so gifted, you have so much potential. But bro, you're so disqualified to lead for the things of Christ because you have put this thought, these things in front of Christ in your life and you tell the whole world you love Jesus, but your actions say something different. Okay, I'm coming down a little bit, sorry, right? But it's true. Have our thoughts taken us captive? Have our thoughts gripped us? And you, know, you might say this, and th this is what I've seen from, so let's take it to like a different level, right? Because like, I'm not gonna come up here and say, well, boom, 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 here's all things you shouldn't do because we're all sinners, right? We all make mistakes. But, here, but here's what it comes down to, and I see this, like we try to justify our life. And, and you might say this, and I've seen this so many times, they'll say, hey, pastor, man, Sean, I, I used to fear God. Uh, matter of fact, I used to be at church every week. I used to read my Bible. I used to pray. I, I used to surrender. I, I was obedient. Like I feared the Lord. But then when I needed God the most, he didn't show up. Like, he didn't change my situation. Like, he didn't fix my marriage. He, he didn't fix my family. He didn't give me what I wanted in my life. And so I felt really abandoned by God. I felt like God wasn't even listening. Like, I felt I was on my own. And so, you know, I don't really know about the mercy of God or the, really the love of God in my life. I'm gonna state, if I was real honest, like, my faith has been broken. And I've been down that road. And be real with you. It's, it's my life, it's my choice, it's my family, my sexuality, it's my ideas of sex, and I'm gonna do it my way. That, that, that's where that heart comes from. And if we're real honest, we, we can get there pretty easily. Like last week, we like blamed somebody else, and this week, we're like blaming God. Because all of a sudden, they say, God, you didn't measure up. God, you didn't show up. And we're held captive by these thoughts because maybe we're missing something. Like maybe there's something God's doing that we don't see. And so all I'll do is just take a step back and I want you to just re-challenge the ideas that maybe you put in your mind about God. Maybe re-challenge the idea that God didn't show up or that God's not involved or that God doesn't love you or that God doesn't plan for your life and that God's ways aren't your best. And so there's nowhere else in the Bible I can think to go to than the book of Job. And if you know much about Job or maybe you don't know anything about Job, uh, Job is one of the earliest figures in the Bible. I mean, Job is pre-Abraham, bro. I mean, it's like creation, fall, 
flood, Babel, Job. I mean, there was no Bible when Job was living. He didn't, ha- he didn't have the scriptures in front of him. Job, Job just had his conscience and the Holy Spirit, and Job just had the law in his heart, and he followed after God. And Job, if you know the story of Job, Job is this upright dude. He's a righteous dude, right? I mean, he, he's doing everything he can to follow God and fear God and submit to God and honor God. He is living out. I mean, he's a picture of what you think of a nice guy finishing last. I mean, he's doing everything right. And then God says, you know, I'm going to put him to the test because there's a spiritual war happening. Satan thinks he can do anything he wants to do. And so God says, well, let's put him to the test, Satan. Have a season with him. I don't think he's going to turn his back on me. And so Job had no idea. And so Job, it, it was totally unexpected. His wife dies. His kids die. His wealth is taken away. His home is taken away. His health is taken away. His body is covered in boils. I mean, you stripped this man of every single thing that would have any value in his life outside of Christ. Literally broken Job. And Job gets to the place in his life where he's so bitter. He becomes so self-focused. Uh, matter of fact, he questions the justice of God. You've been there? How could a loving God ever do this? Uh, Does God even love me? There's no way. If he's in control, (laughs) this dude's a sick dude. There's no way that God can love me. And so Job gets full of self-pity, self-righteousness. He he is broken. He he is losing his faith. He he, he kind of falls into the silence. Matter of fact, Job was so wounded and he was so hurt that he wouldn't even speak. Actually, he stopped listening and sat in silence. And so the story picks up, and I don't know, who's read Job? Put your hands up so you see a little bit. Okay, so you guys, some of you guys know the book of Job. But, Job. but Job gets to the place where he is completely done with God. He is, he is not going to listen. And so there's a, there's a the friend of his life, his name is uh, Elihu, and he's like real young. Everybody else talked to Job. He had a couple of friends talk to Job, and they're pulling away from the things of God. And Job was just on his pity party, and he starts talking about God and how he's no point in pleasing him and stuff like that. And Elihu finally had enough. And he said, man, I've listened to all y'all speak because I thought you'd be older and wiser, but I really kind of figured out you're kind of dumb. And so I'm just going to go and tell you how it is. And so Elihu speaks up in Job chapter 34, and he really points out the wrong thoughts. I want you to see the thoughts that Job has, the power of being captive to those thoughts. And I want you to see the power of God and who God is. So Job 34, verse 5, he says, Job, you say, man, I'm innocent. I've done everything right. And Job had been innocent. He, he, he was doing the right things. But God denies me justice. I did the right stuff, and God didn't do what I wanted. I did the right stuff, my, my marriage didn't work out. I did the right stuff, and it didn't go the way I wanted it to. Although I'm right, I'm considered a liar. Like there's accusation against me. Welcome to leadership. Come on, somebody. Although I'm guiltless, his arrows afflicts. His arrow inflicts an incurable wound. Like there's nothing that's going to change what I've been through. Like you don't understand how much I've been wounded. There's, I can do what I want. I'm justified in my sin and my self-righteousness. I mean, is there anyone like me who drinks scorn like water? I mean, he keeps company with evildoers. He associates with the wicked for he says there is no profit in trying to please God. He came to the conclusion, which I see so many Christians deconstruct their faith over the same thing. The same conclusion that if God was good, then he didn't care about me. Or if God was in control, he must not be because look at my situation because I needed him. He didn't show up so I can do what I want to do. Did this sound familiar to anybody? I mean, it's deconstructed because they thought God was like a genie in a bottle. And he's faithless and he's broken and he has no fear of God anymore. Matter of fact, I'm going to put myself back on the throne. I'm, I'm, I'm now, he's, if you, he doesn't know this, but he's actually 
captive by his thoughts have, have captured him and have actually put Job in a prison that doesn't look anything like the thing that God has for him. And he has surrendered to his wounds in bitterness. And I just believe this, if anybody had the right probably to be upset and surrender to their wounds and get a pity party, it'd probably be Job. Amen? I mean, if anybody can say, you're right, Job, like, you do you, man. If anybody in the world could ever say, it'd be Job. And Elihu, this way, continues on. He says, verse 16, chapter 35, 16. He says, so Job opened his mouth. He's talking to you. Hey, Job, every time you talk, you talk with empty talk. Job, you talk like a fool. You're talking out of your... Right? Like, you don't know what you talk about. You talk without knowledge. Multiply your words like a fool. Every time you open your mouth, it's just more foolish because you don't understand the things of Christ. The knowledge of the Holy One, remember understanding comes from the knowledge of the Holy One? Like you don't know what God's even doing, Job, but you act like you do. You don't know the story. And so Elihu, he tries, he tries to get him to see God. And so in chapter 36, one and two, this Elihu continues, he says, bear with me a little longer. This might be like the greatest like message tell ever. And I will show you there is more. Come on, somebody. There is more to be said on God's behalf. Job, there, there's more going on than meets the story. Did Job, you only got one half of the equation. Actually, it's one third because you got God and you got demons and you got you. You don't even know what heaven's up to or Satan's up to. You just know what you're up to. You just know what's going on around here. But Job, you don't get, there is more to the story. There is more, you're designed by God. There, there, is, there is more for your life than you're seeing, Job. And Job, he, he, he's not listening. He, he sat there and he wouldn't respond. Verse chapter 37, this is a whole chapter later, okay? Elihu's been telling him, and Job is like this. Not having it. 37, 14. Listen to this, Job. Stop and consider God's wonders. Just stop. You ever been there with your friends? You ever been there with your kids, your grandkids, or your friends, and you're trying to like, come on, man, consider the things of Christ. Consider what God's doing and they're not listening. They've forgotten that they have a designer and a maker and the plan of God is so much bigger. And so Job doesn't change. He's not listening. And so God speaks. And it's incredible. Everything changes as God began to speak to Job. And I'm going to tell you this. It's not because God accommodated Job's thoughts. It's not because God negotiated with Job. It's not that God came to Job and said, hey, Job, man, I know about your wife and your kids and I know about all the stuff you've been through and the boils and the pain and the anguish and your friends and all these things. And so you just do you, Job. Job, you just love, love, man, whatever feels good. Like you're, you're justified in how you wanna live your life. You know, you, you be full of that, you deserve that. No, actually God came and said the complete opposite to Job. And so I just want you to see what it looks like and why we should fear God, because this is maybe the reminder for us that maybe entrenched in something that's so deep in our minds, we've forgotten the power of Christ. And so Job um, is gonna get an earful. He's gonna get a lot more than earful actually from God. Actually for four chapters, God lays Job out, right? And it says this in chapter 38, verse one through 33, it says this. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. That sounds frightening. And he said, who is this that obscures my past my path or my plans with words without knowledge. Like who is this fool that speaks through the clouds and the thunder and the rain, this voice speaks and says, who is it out there that thinks they know everything? He said, brace yourself like a man, Job. 
and I will question you, and you shall answer me. And you're not going to sit there in silence because he has sat there and not listened for endless chapters so far. And so God speaks, and he says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth, Job? Where were you? Tell me if you understand. I mean, you know so much. Like, who marked off its dimensions? Who snapped the chalk line across the stars? I mean, surely you know. Who stretched out a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set, Job? Or who, who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sung together and all the angels shouted for joy? Like, where were you when I placed the stars and laid it out and put on the footing and all the angels cried out, yes, go God. Where were you, Job? Tell me about that. You know so much. Who shut up the sea behind the doors while it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garments and wrapped its thickness or its thick in darkness, when I fixed its limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no further. He set the boundaries of time and space. Here's where your, your proud waves will halt. This is the edge of the sea and the ocean. Have you ever given orders to the morning, Job? Or shown the dawn its place, that it may take the, ed- the earth by its edges or shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes its shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like that of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their upraised arm, Job, that's you, is broken. Have you journeyed into the springs of the sea and walked in the recess of the deep? Have you been the Marion Trench, Job? Have you, have you seen the, the depths? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this, Job. Like, who do you really think you are? Like, what is the way that a boat of light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take me to their places? Do you know the paths of the dwellings? I mean, surely you know. For you already born. You've been eternal. You were there when it happened, weren't you, Job? You've lived so many years. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow and seen the storehouses of hail, which I reserved from times of trouble, the days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain or a path for the thunderstorm to, sh- to the water or land where no one lives, an unhabitable desert to satisfy a desolate wasteland to make it sprout with grass? Who does that, Job? Does the rain have a father, Job? Who fathers the morning dew, Job? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost of the heavens? When the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen, can you bind the chains of Platus? Can you bind the chains of this constellation of 500 stars that we still see in the sky every single night, Job? Hey, can you loose Orion's belt, Job? Can you do that for me? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons and lead out the bear with his cubs? Do you know the laws of heaven, Job? Do you? Can you set up the king, God's dominion over the earth, Job? Perfect time. I mean, this is 33 verses out of four chapters. If you've not read Job 38, 39, 40, and 41, you've missed out on the fear of God and the wonder of God and that this God who owns it all and controls all things still loves us. Amen? But for Job, what are you talking about, Job? And for two chapters, it's pretty, pretty comical, actually. Job sits there like this, and then he starts to kind of like, well, you don't really understand. And then God says, sit down and brace yourself like a man because I don't think you got the point across yet. And for two more chapters, God questions him about how much do you really know? Like, who are you to sit on the throne of your life? And so Job, he finally comes to this conclusion. But I'll tell you what God didn't do. Let's just back up. Here's what God didn't do with Job. He didn't negotiate. Come on, somebody. 
he, he didn't compromise. He, he, he didn't argue. He, he didn't accommodate Job's feelings. No matter of fact, he said, Job, brace yourself, boy, because I don't think you have a clue what you're talking about. You're talking out of your butt, Job. You're talking from human wisdom. You have no idea the things of God in your life. I mean, why does it matter? Sexuality, marriage, sex, gender, all, why does this even matter? I mean, in, in, in view of God, do we really think that God is gonna change his mind when it comes to our version of truth? Come on, somebody. No. Do, do we really think that if we stand in front of God, that he's gonna say, you know what, you're justified in your sin? Oh, I never thought of that, you're right. Do, do we really think that we're gonna stand there and he's gonna go, you know, I, I never considered that. Or is he probably one of those Job moments where he say, man, you've missed the point of who I am and what I'm doing. And it begs the question, what conversation do you think God's gonna have with us? Like if we stood face to face with Jesus right now, and we said, this is where I'm at. What do you think God's gonna do? Now, he obviously loves us. He died for us, but to walk on that grace, he might just say, stand up and take it like a man, because here's the truth. He calls Job into truth, amen? He calls into his truth. And what God is saying, there is a, I am the king, and there's a kingdom you have no idea about. And my thoughts are so much higher than yours. And my plans aren't thwarted because of this. Like there's so much going on behind the scenes. You don't even know what you're talking about. And after four chapters of God laying in the Job, if you haven't read Job 38, 39, 40, 41, man, that, you, you should read that. Cause that'll just remind you of like how humble we should be. Cause we don't even touch the beginning of the iceberg of the fear of God. And Job after four verses in chapter 42, verse one, Job finally takes his thoughts captive. Job finally takes out the sword and goes to battle and says, you know what? I've got it wrong. And it says this, then Job replied to the Lord. This is the first time that Job, spot, that Job spoke outside of his own self-righteousness two chapters earlier. He says this to God, I know that you can do what? You can do all things. Like who was I to speak? Like your plans haven't been changed. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. There, there, there's nothing that you want or, or, or have, the, there's nothing outside your control. Like who, who am I to think that this life's about me and I just do me and have it my way? Oh, no, no, no. I've totally missed the point of everything. And I understand now. He says, you ask who is this that obscures my plans with knowledge? Yeah, that was me. Yeah, I was that idiot, right? We've all been the idiot, Amen. We all just told God how to do it. And we're like, no, 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 I, I totally missed it. Like, that's supposed to do it your way. And so I realized, surely I spoke things I didn't understand. Surely I said things that weren't true, that things are too wonderful to me. No, I didn't understand what you're up to, God. I had no idea. I've gotten so bitter and so jaded and so wounded, but today I have to confess to you that you're in charge and you know what you're doing, amen? Like, that's a confession from Job. And he said, listen now and I will speak and I will question you and you will answer me. And I said, my ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen. Come on, I once was blind, but now I see. Like I understand the things of God. You just told me, like put me in my spot. Thank you for telling me who you are. Remind me what you stand for and your power and your glory. He says, therefore I despise myself. That means I humble myself. Like it's no longer about Sean. It's no longer about Job. I'm just gonna get out of the way and listen. And he says this word, he says, I despise myself and, yeah, repent. 
repent in dust and ashes. And this word repent, it's, it's a really powerful word. Matter of fact, I mean, the whole New Testament, repent, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and turn to Jesus. You know, go back to things that once you first love, repent and turn to God. This word repentance, it means this. It means, it's, it, the word in Greek is metahos. Meta, like a metamorphosis, like to change. And house being mind. It's to change your mind. Repent means to change your mind. This is the power of our thoughts, amen? That if we simply just change our mind back to the things of Christ, that's what true repentance is. It's no longer my way and my will. I'm gonna justify myself and do what I wanna do. I don't do me. I mean, I, I, I fear you, amen? And that's what true repentance is. It's like, I'm turning from myself. I'm turning from the world. I'm turning to things that I put on the throne in my life, including myself, and I'm turning to you, Jesus. And this is what Job did. This is what a great picture of taking this. He took captive his thoughts by turning back to God. Could it possibly be in our lives that God not only knew, but knows what's best for us in areas of marriage, sexuality, and sex? Could it really just be that simple that we can just pick up the book? Because you're like, well, God ain't yelling at me, right? But he gave us a book, amen? If you wanna know the path that God has for you, you just gotta pick this book up and read it. And God's gonna speak to you, amen? You gotta just shape your soul, the sword of the spirit, right? It's the word of God that's gonna start cutting some things out of our life that we thought, that we were justified in doing. And you realize like, you know what? You only get an excuse because God is on the throne. His words pierce our hearts. And so we just stand on his authority today, amen? So I'm not coming down if you're like living a life that looked like Jesus because we've all lived life that looked like Jesus. We've all had our Job moments. We've all had things in our life that we did our way. But the encouragement today is if you're in a struggle, struggle towards obedience to Christ. Like struggle towards Christ, amen? Like don't put yourself on the throne. Like think about this, could God be right? The one who authored us or designed us or purposed us or loved us enough to die for us. All those things that he told Job, it's amazing he, God let those things go to come to us. It's amazing. The one who set the foundation of the earth, the one who made the stars, the one that can actually loosen Orion's belt, the one who does all things, is in control, chose us, amen? And so we just out of love say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I'm gonna follow, I'm gonna obey your word. That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. It's the beginning of all freedom, amen? It's, it's, it's the beginning of your, of, of your marriage. It's the beginning of your sexuality. It's, it's the beginning of who you are and your gender. It's the beginning of your ideas of sex. The fear of the Lord, amen, is the beginning of all those things for us. And it couldn't possibly be just that simple. There's an amazing promise given to us in the scripture and it's found in Isaiah 55. And we read the last part of this earlier about my thoughts, not your thoughts. But before this, there's this amazing promise of God that's given to us in verse seven. It says, let the wicked forsake their ways and then righteous their, their what? <laughs> the power of the mind. Let the unrighteous say, you know what? I've been thinking wrong about this, God. I, I, I got the wrong idea of truth in my mind. I put myself above you, God. And so let the unrighteous just turn away from their thoughts. He says, let them turn to the Lord. Let them repent. Like no longer I'm gonna walk down this path. No longer I'm gonna be like Job. I'm gonna go towards the, dire the direction of, of God. And it says this, what a promise. And you have mercy on them, amen. Like when we turn to God from our sin, if you've been saved from a lot, you can cheer on this, but man, we'll have mercy on them. For those who live the life of uh, 
of things that look so far from God that the promise of God held mercy on you. And it's not a plan B, it's a plan A. And that God is gonna give you his grace and forgiveness and his mercy. And the word is for it is called justification. And it really means this, just as if you've never sinned. Isn't that amazing? That of all the things God could even stand up there and go, well, you know what, boom. And he says, you know what? It's just as if you've never sinned. And he forgives us every single time. And so we can turn to Jesus, our God, and says this, for he will freely pardon. He'll freely give us the grace of God. Think about Job one more time. Do you know that Job's life was more blessed after that chapter we read than before? Do you guys know that about Job? After all the defiance and all the self-pity and all the justification and all the questioning of God, that he was more blessed in the second half of his life than he was in his first because he turned to God again. His family came back, his wealth came back, his identity came back, and God blessed him all the years of his life from that point on. Could it just be that the things you've been through had just been a test from the Lord to see if you're faithful to him? I, I don't know all the stuff that didn't work out. Like I didn't know that you, the marriage didn't work out. I don't know all the things behind the scenes that's been weighing on you, but could it be that we have no idea about the plans of God and today we can say, God, I still fear you and trust you and just knowing that God has a plan behind the scenes, amen? And then if we messed up and we're the guys that have struggled in this and we've given into this and we have ideas about this and all the wickedness and all these thoughts, we can just turn to God and he'll forgive us today. So it says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Man, I'm on a different playing field. Do your ways, my ways. As the heavens are higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts, your thoughts. Dude, this is why it matters, amen? Dude, God is out of our league, but came to our league. And so Job is truly the story of a nice guy, a righteous guy that finished first, amen? And so if you're struggling doing the right thing, just do the right thing. If you don't know what it is, God will make it clear. If you pray about it, you ask God and you get in his word, get this revelation from God, you follow his path, you're gonna live a blessed life, amen? This is a life that God has for you. That's a life that we want for you. That's why I'm broken when I see people just playing games. People coming in, living like a defiant life against God, and I love Jesus. It's like, bro, I, I, I wish you'd get your life right with God, amen? Father, we come before you. God, I pray for your spirit to move in this place. God, I pray you remind us, God, that you're in charge. God, we want to be a part of your story. That, God, that I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to do it your way. God, that I'm turning to you today. God, I'm reminded that the power of my thoughts. And today, maybe you're a Jesus follower. And you'd say, you know what? I've let these thoughts go way too far. There's things in my life that look nothing like Jesus. There's thoughts in my life that are controlling me and pulling me things to Christ. There's things I need to turn away from. And I need to turn to Jesus today. I, I'd kind of that Job where I, I've, I've gotten a little wounded and I've been hurt and I forgot about the power of God and that he's in control. But today I want to turn back to him. Today I want to repent. T today I want to get on the right path with God because I realized I need to fear the Lord. And I put myself on the throne, but today I realize I'm in God's kingdom, put God on the throne. If that's you today, the moment of humility, that anybody looking around, nobody's gonna call you out and make it weird. But the moment between you and Jesus, we just say, you know what, Jesus, that's me. I gotta get this right in my life. I got my marriage and my sexuality and my ideas of sex and my ideas of the culture. Man, there's stuff pulling me down. But today I'm realizing that I just need to give it to you. And I trust you, Jesus. If that's you that looking around, would you just put your hand in the air? Come on, just let Jesus know that you see him.
Come on, I see your hands. God sees your hands. Come on. I see Jesus. I'll put you back on the throne today, God. Who am I that I should dictate my lifestyle? Who am I, God? Oh, you're so right, God. I had no idea what I was talking about. So, God, you just have your way in me, God. I surrender. I surrender. Maybe the day you're in the room, you say, you know what? I need that forgiveness today. I need that free pardon you're talking about. I was that guy that did whatever I wanted to do with whatever I wanted to do it with. And today I realized that there is a loving God that is totally in control that I need to bow my knee to and say, yes, you are king. You can have your way in my life for the very first time. Who am I that you would love me enough to send your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins? The Bible says, anybody calls out the name of Jesus, be saved, forgiven, and made new and changed those free things from God. Jesus, and you know, obey Christ in your life, you surrender your life to Him. You know what's working is and working out. Paul says the way of the sinner, the transgressor, is hard. You live a life apart from God, you recognize you're missing something, you're missing Jesus. And so, today, if you need Jesus, you need the free pardon, you need the gift, you need the Holy Spirit in your life to help you, to shape you, and change you. You want to made alive today, you're dead in these sins, but you need the, the grace of God. You can turn from evil thoughts to God. If that's you, I'd be looking around, you just raise your hand high. So, I need Jesus today. Maybe you're watching online and say, I need Jesus. Come on, I see hands across this place. I just need Jesus. It's done on my way, but I need you, Jesus. Come on, hands all across the room. Let's pray this prayer if that's you. It's not the prayer that saves you, but that's not hard, just like Job. Just confess like Job. Man, I've got it wrong, God. I've been living it my way and doing my story, but today, God, I'm doing your way. God, you're the only way. God, you're the truth and the life. So, God, I'm turning to you. Thank you for dying across my sins. God, I don't even every single one of them. And who am I to live a journey apart from you? So, God, I humble myself. God, I turn from my, my sin. I turn from my, my ideas that, that are maybe captured up in the world or somebody I've listened to online or something I've watched. But today I'm turning to the words of God that are for my soul that I can build my life on. So, God, just save me. God, you're my Savior. God, you're my King. I'm going to live for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, give it up, man. The fear of God. Come on. Thank you, guys. What a word today, man. It is just time to leave those wounds. It's time to put them in the past. It's time to get God on the throne in our lives, man. Thank you so much, Sean, for that challenge today, dude. God is speaking through him today. Man, what a word. If that's you... If today's the day that you made that decision for the first time, or maybe you're coming back to God after a long time away, you had that Job moment. If that's you and you're ready to start anew, I just want to say congratulations. We're excited for you. We celebrate with you. And I've got some next steps for you. Number one, I want you to get that Connect card. And I want you to put your information down on there. Put enough information that we can mail you a book. Because that's what we want to do this week. Send you a book in the mail. It's called Begin. Short book, but it's powerful. It's got some real practical steps on basically what do I do now that I've made this decision. I put God back on the throne in my life. What do I do now? This book's going to help get you there. And then finally, another book we want you to grab on your way out it's in a red bag on a table back there is the book. It's time to get in God's Word, man. It's time to just dive in and learn and grow. And so we invite anyone to grab a Bible on your way out and dive in there this week. Man. We're so excited because coming up in two Sundays, we get an opportunity to celebrate the 55 people who have made decisions this year. We celebrated with 18 of them back in April. And man, it, we've already got eight people signed up here in two weeks. So wherever you fall on that list, it basically, I'm throwing numbers out, but here's what it boils down to. 
If you've never been baptized before, but Jesus is Lord of your life, or maybe you were baptized as a baby or a kid, you didn't really get it, I just invite you to join those eight people already signed up and get baptized. We're going to do it right here in the room. And in fact, you've got a card with you on your chair, under your chair. It's got all the information you can fill out. Fill it out. You're going to throw that in the bucket along with your Connect card here as our ushers come down in just a moment. In just a moment, good Lord, in just a moment, fill that out and make that profession of faith. It's so powerful when we make that public declaration that Jesus is Lord of our life. It's not the tub that saves you. It's nothing magical about the water or anything like that. It's just an act of obedience. It's an act of surrender. And hey, we get to celebrate with you. It's an act of celebration. So I encourage you, if you've never done it before, if you have any questions, someone from our team would love to reach out to you. Fill out that card and get connected with us. Well, man, today had a real tough question, real tough answer. Amazing to hear, though. And I just, you know, maybe you're wondering, like, how can I continue this conversation? Like, let's don't let that end right here. Well, a great way you can continue these conversations and grow deep in your faith is in a life groups. Life groups started this week. Did you enjoy your time in a life group this week? Let me hear you if you did. Amen. I did too. So here's mine. Woohoo. I, man, I loved it. We have a great group and I bet you do too. And, and the point is there's groups that meet all throughout the week. Um, whatever your schedule is, like Sean said, they're all amazing. We've got about 13 groups and I'll just shine a quick light on one. The one that meets on Wednesday nights, the Kingdom Finances. This group is taught by professionals who know their stuff, helping you manage your money God's way. You're going to learn a lot from it super high level people running that group. So if you're like, there's so many good options, how do I choose? I'll point you in that direction. But man, if Wednesdays don't work for you or, or whatnot, seriously, just join a group. And I love how Sean said, you know, if you don't vibe on your first one, man, there, go somewhere else. Don't don't use any excuse because Satan will use any excuse to get you not connecting with fellow believers. So I highly encourage you, get yourself in a life group. Another group I want to talk about, uh, a way you can get connected is a group that's near and dear to my heart. Of course, I'm talking about real life youth. And I've got an exciting opportunity for you all. If you are a 6th through 12th grader, I hear some giggles. That means my man Nacho Libre is up on the stage, up on the screen. If you're a 6th or 12th grader in the room, or if you are a parent to a 6th or 12th grader, or you just know a 6th or 12th grader, I encourage you to come join us at Real Life Youth. Um, I'd love to see you tonight. We're going to meet tonight. We meet each and every Sunday at 6 p.m. at the Real Life Hope Center. But if, if, you, if you've never been before, or maybe it's been a long time, next week the 10th would be an awesome on-ramp because we're praying for and expecting a big group of new faces so you won't feel alone or anything weird like that. So we're going to have nacho night. And I don't know about you, but Jesus is enough, right? But man, when you add nachos to the equation, we're just going up. We're just getting a little bit better. So I would love to see you out there. I'd love for you to bring your friends. I would love for you as a church, even if you don't have a teen or you're just not in that in that world, will you just do this? Will you pray for us? Will you pray for real life youth? We're just, man, we're praying for big things this school year as God connects these teens. We've got an awesome group, and I just know that God has a plan for their lives. So if you'll just be praying over them and joining us with that, we would, we would just covet your prayers. So Nacho Night next week, come on out. Man, real life, your generosity plays a huge difference. Your generosity makes baptism a possibility. Your generosity makes the Hope Center a possibility where we can host life groups and 
and our youth and our band to practice and just all the things. It's your generosity. And we thank you sincerely if you've been a part of generosity at Real Life. If you haven't yet, can I just encourage you to just to join arms, link arms, walk side by side and, and start however God would have you start. But man, play a part in what God is doing. If this is your first Sunday with us, I just want to say, man, this gathering was our gift to you. We're honored you're here. You're a special guest. We don't want a thing from you today except the Connect card. We'd love to get to know you a little bit, but we don't want a dime from you today. We're just glad you're here. You're a very special guest. But hey, if you do call Real Life Home, I'm going to invite you in to be radically generous here. And here's three ways you can do it. RealLifeChurchKC.com. You can text any amount to 84321. We have our ushers coming down with the buckets. You can throw your stuff in there. We also have a giving box in the very back. If you find yourself today in immediate need of food, clothing, or shelter, we're actually going to go ahead and invite you when the buckets go by to find any loose cash and use that to meet your family's immediate needs today. Guys, I'm going to pray over the offering and then we're going to dismiss. Let's pray. God, thank you for today and thank you for the, the hard truths, God, that maybe are, are hard to hear and sometimes, if we're honest, we don't want to hear, but man, we need to hear. Thank you, God, for just speaking to us today, God, and just really challenging us in a big way and help us to really look for anything in our lives, God, that we don't have you in authority, that we don't have you on the throne, that we've nudged ourselves on there, God. Help us to get off that throne, Lord, and help us to humble ourselves this week. I just pray a, pray a blessing over this offering, God, that you will use it for your glory, for your power, for your purpose, your plan, and your will in Belton, Raymore, Cass County, and the world. I pray that you will use this generosity, God, to bless souls and bring them to you, Jesus. I pray a blessing on every family, every person in this room, God, and just pray that you will use our lives to impact your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Man, guys, I just want to encourage you that on you version that Sean talked about earlier under the events tab, Sean and his team write up awesome notes for every message, and there's talk it over questions. Start a conversation. Use those as a guideline. Talk about it with your, your spouse, your partner, your uh, close friend. Go through those this week, and don't let this be a message that you heard today and it just goes out into the ether, but continue the conversation this week. We'd love to see you next week at 9.30 or 11 as Sean tackles another Tough Questions with real practical answers wrapped in love because, hey, he's Pastor Sean and he's a friend, right? Yeah. We'd love to see you next week. If you need prayer, we'll have people in front that would love to pray for you. And remember, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. Have a great Labor Day weekend. Love you guys.